Welcome back to the CBJ Show, episode 55. I'm Brandon. Alongside me is Jason and longtime friend of ours and covers ESPN, covers the Patriots. You may know him well. His name's Mike Reese. Mike, thank you for coming and uh, joining us on the CBJ Show. Awesome to be here, Brandon and Jason. When you said it was episode 55, my first thought was Willie McGinnis, the great former Patriots linebacker, then Josh Uche, their pass rusher extraordinaire. This year, where's number 55? Good number. 55 episodes. Congrats, guys. Thank you. So we're, we're going to jump right in. Obviously, preseason has gone underway for the Patriots. They had their uh, home opener loss against the Texans, went to Green Bay, and uh, a little bit of an earlier um, finish with um, news to Isaiah Bowens. But what I'm hearing now is all good. Hopefully he's recovering um, and Patriots are getting ready for their final preseason prep with Tennessee. Nailed it. Uh, right on the money. Um, so they were supposed to be in Tennessee, actually, um, tomorrow, Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. Uh, they were going to practice with the Titans. But because of the injury at the end of the in the early in the fourth quarter of the second preseason game, I think that combined with the fact that Patriots are sort of banged up right now and Bill Belichick saw an opportunity to sort of, I don't want to say bail out of those practices, but sort of get out of them, if you will. Um, he took it. So they'll dial it back, practice in Foxborough Tuesday and Wednesday, and then they'll travel to Tennessee on Thursday and play on Friday night. Awesome. Yeah, you mentioned, so, sorry. sorry, I was just going to say, oh. that's awesome. With that, let's get started. All right, so the first player that I really wanted to look at, um, I've been hearing you, I've actually seen a lot of um, your tweets, or X now, um, about uh, DeMario Douglas, the rookie out of Liberty. Um, I've been hearing a lot of great stuff um, about him. Um, I feel like it seems like he's um, working his way up the depth chart and kind of has a spot locked on this 53-man roster. What have you seen from him? It looks like he's working with the first team a lot um, over guys like Tyquan Thornton and Kayshawn Booty. Jason, super exciting. I mean, he's like a little guy, um, but he plays with like great quickness and good hands. Um, the second preseason game, he played three snaps and he made two catches, you know? So it sort of gives you a feel for how productive he is with the opportunities that he gets. That's what sort of stands out to me watching him in practice. Um, I look at their receivers. They have Devontae Parker. They have Juju Smith-Schuster. They have Kendrick Bourne. I think those are the top three. And Pop, they call him Pop Douglas, is his, you know, is his nickname, Pop. Sort of slots in right after those guys. And he's a different type of guy, a little in, inside receiver. I think he's going to help him. Is that someone that you see ahead of someone like Tyquan Thornton and Kayshawn Booty? I mean, you know, Tyquan got pushed to the second team I heard in training camp in the last week. And then Booty sort of started off a bit slow, but then I heard he was really ramping up and made a lot of good contested catches in the in-stadium practice that one night. Definitely. Um, so I, I see him like he's a different type of receiver than both those guys. Tyquan's got to stay healthy. Keeps getting nicked up and missing time. And uh, one of my favorite all-time coaches – Bill Parcells uh, had a saying, you can't make the club if you're in the tub. And I mean, he's not literally in the tub, but you get my point. Like he's in the training room too often. So 
Taekwon's slipping down because he's not available to the team. It goes sort of what Julian Edelman used to say. He said, the greatest ability is availability. And so Taekwon's slipping back. And, and Booty, I think, is, is he's, a, he's, like, he's not as much of an inside guy as Pop. So he could show up on the outside at the same time as Pop. Um, I also think he needs to put it together like consistently to know for sure that he's definitely locked in to the team. Sticking on offense, obviously the biggest signing was getting Zeke. Just quickly, your thoughts on the Patriots doing a one-two punch using Zeke on, is it mostly third downs, more first, second? What's your uh, inside scoop? Yeah, Brandon, I, I like it for the Patriots because I thought there was a big drop-off from Ramondre Stevenson, the number one back, to the next back. And so I think with Zeke, it, it closes that gap. And I could see him on third down because they they view him as a th three down back. Um, I could see him on early downs, you know, rotating in maybe like every third series to keep Ramondre fresh. Um, and I would say Zeke probably still needs to show that he's got juice in his legs, but I think they're not going to give him a heavy workload. So that should keep him fresh, you know, so he does have the juice, hopefully for him when he gets those opportunities. And then the other offense player I've noticed and <clears throat> curious was Malik Cunningham. We've seen him as a bit, a little bit of a dual threat playing wide receiver QB combo. I know a little bit of special teams as well. What have you seen from him? So it's sort of exciting, guys. I'm, I'm curious if he makes the team. I think he should make the team. Um, in the first preseason game, he played 10 snaps at receiver and 17 snaps at quarterback. And the reason I point out those numbers, because it's sort of unique, there was only one player in the NFL last season in any game to have double-digit snaps at quarterback and receiver. Taysom Hill of the Saints. And you know how the Saints use Taysom. They'll sort of put him in and split the quarterback out wide and He'll take a snap from center. He could throw it. He could run it. Um, and then he'll split out at receiver and actually run a route as a, as a legitimate receiver. Um, maybe Malik can do that for the Patriots, you know, like not maybe not as much as the Saints use Taysom Hill. But look, if he can get him one first down on like third and two with a, you know, option play or one touchdown in the red zone, you know, as a surprise option. Like I, I think I think it's something the Patriots are at least intrigued about seeing if that could fit into their attack. I had another question about the offense. I've been noticing a lot that the expectation is that the Patriots run, run the 12 personnel, having Hunter Henry and Mike Gusecki on the field at the same time. I know we haven't really seen it much in the preseason, but do you think that's something that um, is expected to be the primary formation or are they going to have three wide receivers out wide? So, Jason, I think a lot of that's going to depend on the week, right? And so what? here's how I would boil that down. They're going to look at their opposition. And if they think the opposition is maybe weak in the defensive backfield, it wouldn't surprise me if they go more receivers to try to get more defensive backs on the field to exploit those mismatches. If they want to maybe work against the team's maybe bigger defenses I don't want to say a base defense but maybe like a big nickel with three safeties like then I think we'll see more 12 personnel with Hunter and Gusecki 
Um, I think we're going to see a little bit of everything. But my point would be that what they do will be more contingent on how they view the opposing defense and how they want to manipulate what defenders they put on the field based on how many receivers or tight ends the Patriots decide to put on the field. I don't know if that made sense, but that's sort of that's how they like to play when when everyone's healthy. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense um, about the formation. And also, um, I know um, it's kind of hard to tell with all the injuries they found the offensive line. Remember, there was one week where there was one practice where David Andrews, Cole Strange, Trent Brown, and Michael Money were all out, and they were going to guys like Riley Reef, Connor McDermott, Antonio Maffi, uh, James Ferenc. Um, so when they are fully healthy, assuming Michael Money is activated um, at before week one, um, do you think that uh, Riley Reef or Connor McDermott will take that right tackle spot? I think it'll be Riley Reef um, over Connor McDermott. I feel pretty strongly about that. I'm a little concerned for them, Jason. I got to be honest with you. You know, that offensive line has been a problem in camp. They just haven't been able to get five guys in there. Cole Strange, the starting left guard, he's still sidelined with a left leg slash knee injury. Um, it makes it hard to play when you can't block consistently. Uh, in the run game or the pass game. I think we saw it in the second preseason game. You know, move the ball down the field a little bit, and then Mac takes a couple sacks, hits that really weren't his fault. The tackles just couldn't block. So I'm just going to preface this. I'm going to use um, a tidbit that you used, Mike, in your tweet, or I guess it's – I still call it a tweet, even though it's yeah. Um The roster's decisions, their teams are cutting down from 90 to 53. So – we're talking about all these different positions here and there, and that's really just the biggest thing is that there's a lot of options for the Patriots, and um, three of us all know Bill Belichick is great at doing different things, trying to mix it up. So a lot of this is based on um, what you see. So last question, on I guess, from me about rosters is, um, I know Jason brought put this in, but about the kicker situation, that is always something um, – comes down to one of these last spots and what have you seen in these practices and games definitely so brennan i would say that nick folk has done nothing that would warrant him losing the job other than the fact the patriots drafted chad ryland in the fourth round i mean you don't draft a kicker in the fourth round and trade up for him if you're not intending for him to be your kicker so I've sort of uh, I've sort of thought like Chad Ryland would have to have an absolute implosion to lose the job. And he and he hasn't had an implosion, but he hasn't been as consistent as Nick Folk. So I think that's the whole dynamic with the kicking situation. He has a Chad Ryland has a very strong leg. Like he 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 his balls are have more height than Nick Folk and he has more distance. Folk's just more consistent. You know, he just keeps popping it through, um, you know, but not as long with his leg. So I, I believe it'll be Chad Ryland when all is said and done. And maybe they can get a late round pick for Nick Folk. But then again, maybe Bill Belichick has some type of surprise for us. And maybe he keeps both of them, you know, or maybe, you know, one of them, who knows, you know, who knows. But my guess would be Ryland will, will get the job. I wanted to shift the focus to the defense. Uh, there's one guy who um, has not played a single snap in the regular season since being drafted in 2021, Ronnie Perkins. 
is if he does not make the roster, is he pretty much done in the NFL, would you say? And also, is he a long shot to make the roster? Because it's interesting how they took him on day two, two years ago, and he hasn't seen the field due to injury, but now it seems like it's the healthiest he's ever been. Do you think he's got a shot at making the roster? So I think he's a long shot, Jason. I wouldn't put him on right now based on what I've seen. Um, and you're right, a third round pick. I think it was late third round, so sort of borderline third round, fourth round, right? Um, I don't think he'll make it. I don't think that means his NFL career is done because usually what happens is there's a team that had a high grade on him maybe coming out of the draft that now will have an opportunity to possibly bring him on a practice squad or something like that. And I think with the expanded practice squads, he should find a home, if not on a roster, on a practice squad to continue to work on his craft and hopefully in time for him break through, um, whether it's here on the practice squad or somewhere else. And then looking at the uh, safeties this year, um, obviously Devin McCourty is a big loss and, uh, you know, Jabril Pepper is going to have to fill that free safety role. Um, do you think he's going to be able to um, hold it down as not only a leader on the field, but also off the field? Because, you know, they're they're lacking a lot of depth at the free safety spot. Strong safety's got Duggar and Phillips, but at free safety, I don't really know who else they can really roll out. Maybe Joshua Bledsoe or Brendan Schooler would come on, come on off the of special teams. So, Jason, that, that one, here's how I would break that one down. It's interesting. All those safeties are, play, like, different roles. I'd probably put Adrian Phillips in more of the free safety category right now um, and Jabril Peppers and Kyle Duggar and maybe a little more of the strong safety, box safety. But they also, too, could be in the deep part of the field. I just don't think that plays to their strengths as much if, if they do that. So those three are, are sort of the top three safeties in my mind. And then I would add a fourth in Jalen Mills, the corner who's playing more safety. So I'd put him back at safety. And I wouldn't forget Miles Bryant, who I, I know fans have a tough time with him, sort of a slot corner, but he does do some safety stuff. He's sort of, and not like a free safety with great range, but he's a very smart, you know, oftentimes in good position. Um, so he'd be like the fifth guy I'd put in that conversation as a hybrid corner safety. And my gut tells me Joshua Bledsoe is more of a practice squad guy at this point. Um, couple years hasn't really broken through. And I, I noticed the other day when Bill Belichick was talking about replacing Devin McCourty, he mentioned a, a few names and it caught my attention. He didn't mention Joshua Bledsoe's name. I sort of made a note of that, Jason, where I was like, oh, that might be a tip off to keep him off my 53-man roster projection. Speaking of what Bill Belichick is thinking, um, it's, it's been something traditional where he takes a lot of these first couple regular season games. It's kind of a um, extra incentive to judge. Uh, I know last year was the start of the switching to the three preseason to an extra regular season. How does that have an impact for not just the Patriots, but coaches and players when they're getting ready for their regular season? So with the limited preseason, it almost feels like the first couple of regular season games is like an extended preseason, right? Like they're still knocking off the rust and, and stuff like that. So um, that's probably the biggest thing that I see, Brandon, is the quality of the play early in the season is not really at the highest level, you know, and that's why. 
Bill Belichick often says you don't really know your team until later in the season, whether that's October into November. Um, so to me, I always look at it this way. You got to stay afloat in the first month of the season, right? Like just, just don't dig yourself too big of a hole where you can't get out of it, you know, and this, that's going to be big for them this year with the Eagles at home week one, the Dolphins at home week two, like you got to have at least one of those games, at least one, because after that, you're going to the Jets. It's going to be tough with Aaron Rodgers. You're Then you're going to the Cowboys, you know? So if you're, you don't want to be on four. That's that's not an easy opening, right? Opening stretch there. So um, that's an interesting dynamic when you sort of factor in the limited preseason and and that early schedule. Uh, I wanted to go back to the 53-man roster projection you were talking about. I know it's a bit of a tradition for Bill Belichick to bring on an undrafted free agent every single year. And we already mentioned Malik Cunningham, but do you think that the streak will continue? Uh, I know someone like Johnny Lumpkin's also been great in camp. Um, do you think this that there's any guys that they've brought in as of late that can potentially make the 53-man roster right away? So, Jason, I think that it's 19 years in a row they've had at least one undrafted free agent on the um, opening day, 53-man roster. Um, I think it's Malik or Bust. I don't see another undrafted free agent in consideration for that. So I'm really curious if all the excitement and hype around Malik in preseason is something they view the same way internally, or if they might try to sneak him on the practice squad instead. I think that would be dangerous. Because I look at it and I'm like, after the way we saw him run the ball in that preseason opener, I, I think yeah, I think another team would would try to grab him and develop him as a running quarterback. Important point that you mentioned about running quarterback. I feel like many of the new younger quarterbacks we see, that's one of their key strengths is seeing all these mobile, um, more running quarterbacks than the traditional when you had Tom Brady, Big Ben, who were just always in the pocket, were going to throw you. You knew that they weren't going to run. <laughs> that's exactly right. And and I think that's going to be another benefit. Like with Malik on the team, um, you know, you're preparing for Jalen Hurts, first game of the year with the Eagles. Malik Cunningham's perfect scout team quarterback for you to prepare, right, for that. Um, Tua in week two, right, like somewhat similar. Um, and – I don't think that the Patriots would ever turn to Malik as a full-time option, at least at this juncture, but you could sprinkle it in, you know, as a compliment to Mac one, two snaps a game, you know, just to keep the defense guessing. Um, so I, I do see some value in it, Brandon, you know, I'm curious if they do though. Lastly, we're going to talk about the season outlook mentioned the first four games the Patriots and not just the Patriots but AFC East has um, gone a little bit better it's gonna be tougher games how do you what is your I guess uh, one what is your projection but also what is the ceiling for this Patriots team so the um the win total projection for the Patriots is seven and a half wins so um you know if if you were considering let's say not that we ever uh, endorse this but wagering on the Patriots this year, you would be asking yourself the question, do I do I think they're going to win over seven and a half games? 
if you do, you would do what you do and, and you might, you'd be, you'd win if they get eight wins or more, you would lose if it's less. So that's, that sets the expectation when you bring that into the conversation. Um, I look at it from the owner's perspective, Robert Kraft, he said, get in the playoffs and anything can happen. So that to me is the mindset. Uh, eight wins probably to, that, that won't get you there. Eight and nine, right? Like you got to have 10. And so I think, can they get 10 wins right now? I think that would be hard based on what we've seen in the preseason. Um, but I think what we've seen in the preseason isn't a finished product, right? So I think there's upside there. Starts with the offensive line. Like if they get that squared away, they have a chance. If they don't, I think we're in for a longer season. That's That would be sort of my summation. We, we touched on it briefly. Aaron Rodgers is now a Jet. What is um? I know you got to go out to Green Bay last year and watch that Patriots Green Bay game, but what does that bring to this loaded AFC East, where you got Josh Allen and the Bills? Now you got Rodgers and Jets and Tua and the Dolphins. I think it makes it the most challenging division in football. You know, I thought about this in the off season. Like, if if you were going to pick another, what would you pick from top to bottom? Maybe the AFC North. You know, with Browns, Steelers, Ravens, Bengals. It's a good division, right? Like, but to me, the star power of the quarterbacks outside of, I'd say it's really Allen and Rodgers. And then a cup below is Tua, but I would put Tyreek and Waddle next to his name because those two guys make it go. And and Mac, you know, in the fourth spot there um, with a different style of play, right? Patriots, a diff- little different, not as explosive as those other teams. So I think it brings a lot. It makes it a lot harder. The Patriots actually might play better football this year and be a better product to watch and might actually have a worse record because the competition around them is that much better. I always think better competition is better football to watch. I'd rather watch a closer game than a blowout if it's one team or the other. Just um, quick with the schedule notes, obviously they got that big game going back to Vegas in week six and then heading off to Germany for week 10. I don't know if you had any thoughts on either of those two games. So so I, I think the Germany one is the one I would focus on. Um, they haven't been international for a while now. I know they're incredibly excited about it. Um, it's against the Colts and Anthony Richardson. Um, those games can be tough because they're, you're away from your familiar surroundings. Technically, that's a home game for the Patriots. Um, so what they'll do is they'll probably practice here in Foxborough for that week, Wednesday and Thursday, and get most of their work done here. Hop on a plane Thursday late afternoon, fly overnight, get in there Friday, and sort of tidy things up and try to get some rest Saturday. You know, walk through off day, play the game Sunday, and just turn right back around. So long way to go to play a game. Um, exciting though for the fans uh, out there, you know, who are big Patriots fans. They have a great following in Germany, so I think that'll be a memorable week for sure. Jason, you got anything else you want to add? Uh, I think we covered a lot. I mean, got through a lot of positions and a lot of positional battles and 53-man roster. I know the, I know the biggest thing uh, is the renovations um, and upgrades to Gillette Stadium. It's awesome. And um, for the football side of it, bringing back Bill O'Brien, we didn't really touch on this, but 
how does that bring um, Max confidence up, but also help the Patriots as a whole team try to become better, improve from last year? So I think that's one of the biggest differences that I've seen in the preseason. You can tell they have an offensive system and a plan. Um, and I'll tell you, this is what I'll, I'll let Trent Brown, the veteran offensive tackle, so I'll let his words stand on this. He was asked about Bill O'Brien. He said, I love his attitude. Uh, I think he speaks a language that will get everyone fired up and ready to play ball. He brings excitement and energy to the whole building. And so I, I see that from them. I see, and I think Mac has really taken to that. And so I think that that's a real positive for them. Well, that's going to do it. Thank you, Mike, for joining us. I know you're got well, one more preseason game, and then it's the home opener against the Eagles. It's going to be excitement. I know Tom Brady's going to return. So lots uh, to look forward to. And then obviously some divisional games, Miami, and then facing Aaron Rodgers week three. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks, Jason, for having me. Always fun. Awesome. That's going to do it for our interview with Mike Reese. Well, tell us when we post on Instagram if you agree, disagree. Probably will be screaming at your wall listening and saying, oh, I think this team's better. Um, as you can see, we had some similar similarities between teams like Eagles, Niners, and we had complete opposites like Minnesota Vikings. I just want to wrap up with talking about some soccer. I know, Jason, you said you've watched a teeny bit about this, but it's incredible. Messi mania, I was going to say, I've got a poster of him right here. Um, I don't think this is going to be video anyway, but Messi, Lionel Messi has changed Inter Miami. Um, and just uh, over the weekend, they won their first ever club trophy, winning the League's Cup trophy. I I was listening to just um, the Boston radio here, Felger and Maz, um, and it was Jim Murray talking about it. He goes, uh, they had Taylor Twoman on talking Messi, all this um, and Jim Murray said, oh, a few weeks ago before Messi even came, I had never even heard of Inter Miami. Well, fast forward a few weeks, we've got people who not uh, who are not just Messi, MLS big fans. Messi just attracts the world. He brings everyone um, together, uh, which is why the love of soccer is international, unlike um, whoever it was. I draw a blank on this. I heard someone say on NFL preseason that oh I love the NFL is really international I disagree I think um soccer is a lot better um the NFL is never getting to that point like soccer yeah I think that um you know Messi his impact um sort of goes beyond words uh here I mean we saw Inter Miami they were I believe last place in the Eastern Conference going into the All-Star break in the MLS. And, you know, even if he does play in the regular season, um, there's no expectation that Miami jumps to the one seed, obviously, because it's pretty much mathematically not in their favor. But, you know, getting another trophy for um, this young team that was just expanded into the MLS uh, within within the last decade um, is pretty remarkable. And like I said, the last seed, they needed some help. Um, and um, Lionel Messi, the greatest player of all time, is able to do that. And um, I think that it's going to spark like you said, it's going to spark the interest of international soccer, but especially looking at American soccer because the USA has now uh, made themselves a market and the MLS is being 
viewed as a legitimate league because they have Lionel Messi. People turn on their TVs to watch the MLS because of Lionel Messi. They couldn't really do that before because there wasn't that that one guy that they wanted to watch. Well, now they have it, and I think um, the MLS is going to profit a lot off of this. And, um, you know, any game that Lionel Messi goes to in an opposing stadium is going to be – the prices are going to be crazy for those games. Um, and I, I can only imagine what um, a full MLS season with this looks like. I'm going to end this with one maybe hot, maybe not take, which is I think Ronaldo and Neymar going to Saudi League was a mistake. MLS is definitely better than Saudi League. And that's uh, my take to end episode 56. That's going to do it. We do want to just um, thank Mike Reese for joining us to start the episode. AFC, NFC, NFL playoff predictions, messy mania. That's all. Jason, any last words? How many more days till uh, NFL starts? Is it what? It's got to be under 20. Too many. <laughs> Too many count. The NFL season is here. That's going to do it for the CBJ show. I'm Brandon. He's Jason. Thanks for listening.